Welcome back to Confessions from the Sidelines, and I'm your host, Sarah L. Cowart. I am thrilled to share today's episode with you. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our partners. I love shopping online at Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. You can enjoy member-only prices where members save an average of $32 on every order. I love that you can choose your membership term for me. I went with a 12-month membership because it comes down to just $5 per month. But if you're not sure if Thrive Market is the right fit for you, you can easily give it a try for a shorter period of time. And remember, if you choose the Thrive Market annual membership, it is 30 days risk-free. Head on over to thrivemarket.com slash confessions to get 20% off your first order and a free gift. Y'all know how much I love CB supplements. CB supplements is a multi-collagen protein powder, meaning it contains all five types of collagen from four animal sources. Not to mention it's NSF certified for sport and supported by Dr. Kate. You won't find a cleaner multi-collagen supplement out there. CB supplements has been so kind to give all of our listeners $5 off your order. Head on over to cbsupplements.com and grab yours today. Don't forget to use the code Sarah. S-A-R-A-H for $5 off. Now on to today's show. Today's guest is Marissa Shiva. Marissa is a native of Bucks County, PA, and was one of the most successful cross-country runners in Penn Ridge history, holding the top two spots in school history at the state championship meet. In college, Marissa was a two-sport athlete at Penn State, competing in both soccer and track. Listen in on our conversation as we chat about what it was like participating in two sports as a Division I athlete and what it took to make it to that level. Marissa, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's been so long. Like I was trying to remember the last time we chatted, the last time we talked, and I feel like it's been a bazillion years. No, it really must have been. Um, I think probably 2019 in the spring, because that's when I graduated. Even though you were never formally my academic advisor, I can I think I made extra appointments with my academic advisor, Jim, just so that I could <laughs> sneak into your office, always like with my fingers crossed that you didn't have a student in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's been a yeah, while. It's been a long time, but that's right. Like I met you, that would have been like your freshman or sophomore year on campus mm-hmm. at Penn State. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Wow. What a journey. And just thinking of that, tell everybody a little bit about how did you end up at Penn State? Okay. Yeah. So I grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which everybody says, oh, classic Bucks County kid ends up at Penn State. But, um, I originally didn't want to go to Penn State. I wanted to go to school on the West Coast, get far away from home. Um, And then when I started to uh, seriously look at schools to play soccer and run track at, um, I had to take a visit to Penn State um, just because of the programs and the coaching staff there and took one step on campus, even though I really didn't want to and ended up loving it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And tell a little bit about that because I know like you're out here, you're looking at all these different schools, your fingers are crossed. Like I'm going to head to the West coast and here you are thinking, Oh, now I'm going to end up at Penn state, but it didn't just happen like that. Like it wasn't like, Oh, I'm being recruited. And so now I have to make this decision. Right. So 
I don't know exactly how the NCAA rules are now, but the rules when I was being recruited were very interesting. Um, and I think they vary per sport, but with soccer, we were getting recruited when we were 13, 14 girls were committing in their freshman, sophomore years of high school. So I remember college coaches being on the sidelines of ECNL games from the time I was 13 years old. I don't even think I was a freshman in high school yet. And so that's kind of how it all started. And then the emails start coming in, the letters start coming in. And it was never very straightforward because of the NCAA rules. So you had to kind of talk to your club coach and play a little guessing game of, does this coach just want me to come to their summer camp or is this coach actively recruiting me? Um, And as a 14 year old who doesn't even know what's going on in high school yet, let alone what I want to do when I'm 18 through 22. Yeah. Like that, that's what my bright, like brain is trying to really comprehend is like, you're 14 years old. You're getting all these emails. And for the people listening, there are specific roles for sports about when you can be contacted by like phone or email or like text messages, all this kind of stuff. And so like, those are definitely conversations you want to have with your student to make sure that you're not violating any of those recruiting roles, but the emails and the letters like are coming even at the age of 14. And here you are just starting high school. And trying to like figure this whole thing out, like what were some of the challenges that kept happening as you were going through the process? So, yeah, the, I think the biggest challenge is that nobody in my family knew what was going on. So I didn't have a parent that played a sport in college. Um, My older sister is two years older than me and she ended up running track and cross country at East Carolina university. But because the recruitment process is so much later for track and field and cross country, she hadn't gone through it yet. So my sister and I were pretty much going through it at the same time, um, which kind of we lucked out in that way because there were some trips that she would go on for an official visit and I would just tag along. And while she was with the coaching staff and the girls, my dad and I would hit a few schools. Um, But yeah, so that was the trickiest part. We didn't really know what was going on. We relied on... um, the internet and uh, my parents bought some books and our club coaches at Penn Fusion Soccer Academy in, in Downingtown, Pennsylvania to kind of help us navigate that. And the Penn State coaching staff was great as well. They understand that we are young girls that have no idea what's going on and they explain the rules well. Um, and so that was really helpful, but still very confusing. Um, and that on top of I knew from the time I was 14 that I wanted to play two sports. So that was really tricky because like I said, track and cross country that they don't start recruiting until you're a junior or senior in high school. So no track and cross country coaches wanted to talk to me. They were like, you are a baby. Um, (laughs) So that made it kind of tricky, but I was pretty open with college coaches when I was being recruited for soccer, like, Hey, I want to run. Is this a conversation you'd at least be open to having? Um, and there were a lot of schools that said yes. And there were a lot of schools that, um, were not okay with that. Yeah. Oh, so like talk about that a little bit, because, you know, I know during your time at Penn state, we actually worked together a little bit because you were on the track team as well. And so like that, you know, you kind of cross when people think about these academic advisors that are at these different schools, a lot of them are assigned to different sports at different times. And so luckily that's how like we continue to connect while you were there, but 
what, like, how hard was that to, first of all, make that decision? You already knew I want to do two sports, but then to make the decision, I've got to go to the school that's going to allow me to do that. Yeah, that was tricky because I mean, it, it actually helped narrow down my, my options a little bit because there were coaches of school that I wanted to go to and they, they really were not okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, I think it said something about the staff, something that I was looking for in the staff um, when they were at least open to having that conversation, because at that point, I I was running at, as an elite of a level as I was playing soccer. Um, and I think it, it definitely aided in that. That was a big part of my game. I think still is a big part of my game, um, my, my fitness level. Um, so the coaches that were open to talking about that, I automatically, um, like gravitated towards a little bit more. Um, Erica was Erica Dombach at Penn state and Ann Cook, Tim Wassel were always very open to that idea. They celebrated my successes in track. I remember, um, the indoor state meet, um, for Pennsylvania is at Penn state. And there was, uh, so it was my first state championship, my senior year, sorry, my sophomore year. Um, uh, my first big win was in the mile, um, at indoor state. And immediately after I remember getting a phone call from them and they were saying, come over to Haluba because they had a, a spring game. So immediately after that, I went over, um, watched the game and it felt so, natural. It didn't feel like I was kind of walking on eggshells. They really kind of celebrated that um, I did both sports at a high level well, and um, I managed them well in high school. Oh, okay. So talk a little bit about that because I'm kind of thinking, you know, the track timeline, especially indoor and then moving to outdoor plus like the soccer timeline, these seasons don't just automatically go like, okay, soccer's over. Now I can run track or tracks over. Now I like can switch back to soccer. So how did you manage all of that? I think that the biggest thing in high school was that my ignorance was bliss in that I didn't know all of it was fun. Um, I loved playing soccer. I loved running track and I had coaches that were looking out for my body more than I was. Um, so I didn't understand what I was potentially doing to my body by, you know, playing sports seven days a week for hours on end. Um, but for the, yeah, for the most part, it was just fun. And I enjoyed both my parents and the clubs and the coaches that I had emphasized that a lot. And, um, I mean, my parents were definitely tough on me and like held me to a standard. And so it wasn't all just fun and games. Um, but I am a huge proponent for not specializing because there were so many girls by the time that we hit 18 and or 16, 17, 18, and we were, uh, making final decisions on where we were going to school and if we were going to play or not. Um, and there were so many girls that were just over it. Um, mm -hmm. You, by the time we were driving, parents couldn't force them to go to training anymore. And they were just so over it. And I think that having two sports kept it fresh. Um, I think there are studies out now that show that it helps reduce injury. It helps with burnout. Um, I saw something actually a few weeks ago. It was a tweet about um, some of the best players in the NFL right now and the sports that they played in high school. And almost all of them were three sport athletes in high school. You know, they ran track, they played basketball, they played football, they played baseball. Um, so I don't think that forcing kids to specialize from a young age is where it's at. Um, I'm a little biased, but 
I can only speak to that because it definitely helped um, me not burn out. It helped me with injury. I stayed relatively injury free my entire career. Yeah. Oh, so share a little bit about like, what would your advice be if this, like a student wants to have this conversation with the parent or the parent, like, how do they like start this conversation? Cause you and your family were really open about, I want to do this. I want to continue doing two sports. So what did that conversation look like? What did that conversation look yeah. like with coaching staffs or no, like with your parents and like, how can parents continue to have that conversation with their kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I'm very close with my parents. My family is very tight knit. So I, I don't even know if there was a, a conversation dedicated to, um, what do you want to do in college? I, they knew that I wanted to play both. Um, I think naturally there were times where I enjoyed running more and then there were times that I enjoyed soccer more, but it was constantly in flux. And, um, I hadn't felt like I had reached my potential in either sport And I honestly, I really thank my dad for this because I remember watching, I don't know what it would have been. Maybe it was the 2012 Olympics or 2008 Olympics or something like that. He's like, um, I don't know if they were talking about two sport athletes in the winter and summer Olympics and stuff like that. And he really put it in my head. There's, there's no reason why you can't just because it hasn't been done. There's no reason why you can't do that. And I know it's becoming more popular now with student athletes, especially with track, it's pretty common Mm -hmm. with football and track and soccer and track. Um, but I didn't really, I don't think it had been done much in the years before that I, I did it because college coaches looked at me like I was crazy or they Mm -hmm. hadn't, they hadn't experienced it before, but my dad kind of gave 14 year old me the confidence to like, no, just because people haven't done it doesn't mean I can't, you know, I'm, I have the dedication to do this. Um, I I've done it successfully for quite a few years now. Um, and I want to try to reach my potential in both. Yeah. That's so cool that you, I mean, he gave you, it's not, I don't want to say he gave you permission to do it, but he like gave you the thought process to where you could say, yeah, this is the decision I want to have. Exactly. And I hear about so many parents telling their kids or, or even parents that come to me, cause I train kids, um, on the side sometimes in the off season saying like, do you think that she should stop playing basketball now that she's going into high school? You know, we really want her to focus on that. And I always say never. I'm like, if she's having fun, that's the biggest thing, you know, keeping them in something that they're having fun with doesn't even need to be sport, but you know, kid, kids need a mental break. Adults need a mental break. I mean, off season is, is important for a reason. Um, and so I'm a huge proponent of that. I don't think specializing, especially at a young age is necessary or even good for kids. Yeah. So, okay. You just said the word like off season and I'm thinking like at Penn state, you didn't really have an off season. At the same time, I'm thinking, how did you handle that academically? Because I, when I think about students who are collegiate athletes and they're going through this or, you know, sometimes we would take some really difficult classes and say, let's take those in the off season when you're not traveling, when you're like fully present on campus and just training. But that wasn't really the case for you. Like you had a full load of classes and sport the whole entire time. Yeah. Um, so academically I have you to thank. I have Jim to thank. I, I really relied on you guys heavily just to kind of talk through that. Um, having academic advisors that understood 
that I wasn't going to have an off season um, was helpful and kind of balancing each semester then, because I think what you were saying is, you know, a lot of athletes will take their hardest classes in the off season so that they're not traveling as much um, and they have more time to dedicate to, to studying. But I think both of my seasons were pretty balanced um, academically um, and Yes. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. It feels like forever ago. And if I looking back on it now, I'm probably, I think like how on earth did I do that? But um, yeah, I actually, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. Um, yeah. I just got it done. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes that's what it's all about. It's like you, because I'm the way that my brain is working on this. It's like you use the resources that were there. Like you knew, okay, I'm going up against something that a lot of people haven't done. So I need to make sure that like, I'm aware of my travel schedule. What are my classes going to look like? I mean, you were even going to meet with your academic advisor that was in your college just to say, here's kind of how things need to be spread out. And am I taking everything in the right order? So that if you needed this additional support, you had the academic center that could allow you those tutors, those mentors, whatever that looks like. That's a really good point. Okay. You're kind of refreshing my brain a little bit. Um, so yeah, the Morgan academic center at Penn state offered so much to us as athletes. And I know a lot of athletes that didn't take advantage of it. Um, some athletes didn't need it. Um, but there was at least to me, no stigma behind using the tutors, using the mentors, anything like that. Some of the smartest kids that I played with, um, academically smartest, um, had mentors, you know, mentors that they met with every week just to make sure that they were staying on course because as an athlete or no matter what extracurricular you're involved with, that's taking a piece of your brain, you know, in that direction, like you, you might miss things. You might forget about things. Um, you might not realize the importance of studying for this exam because this information is compounding into the next exam. Um, so I definitely utilize the academic center, um, heavily and asked for help when I needed it. And I think that that I owe that, you know, confidence to ask for that help from you and Jim and the Penn State soccer coaching staffs, because they made it very clear that if you need help, you ask for help and we'll find it for you. Um, and I think I probably take for granted how many resources Penn State has. I'm sure that they're, not every university and college has the same reach that Penn State does. But um, yeah, I think the moral of that is just asking for help when you need it. Um, and people are, people are willing to help you. Yeah. And we had a student on um, a few months ago on the podcast and he was talking about like, just send the email. Like if you don't know, or you don't have the answer, but you know, someone might have the answer, like send the email, whether it's to your professor or coach or, you know, academic advisor, because they're willing and able to help you. Yeah. And there's so many professors that, especially if you go to a big university, some of your classes might have over a hundred kids and professors don't, at least in my experience, want to just be standing up there, you know, giving a speech every, every class, they want to personify their students. And so that was kind of helpful as a student athlete. I had to have those conversations and hand them my travel schedule. But I think they appreciated the openness, the honesty of like, Hey, I could really use an extra day on this to get it done. Well, like I'm on a bus right now and Wi-Fi is in and out and I can't get this done right now. Could I, could I please have, um, another 24 hours? And 
it was so rare to get a no. Um, mm-hmm. I think if the professor knows that you're actively trying and um, they've seen your face and they've talked to you, they're going to be willing to um, kind of work with you in that way. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, like you're saying, it maybe there's like a 5% chance that they're going to be like, uh, no, but that, but you also showed them from the very first day of class, going up to them after class and saying, Hey, my name is Marissa. Here's what I do. Like I'm on this team and here is my travel schedule. These are the days I potentially will miss class by doing that. You made that connection with them. And that's why you were able to have those conversations. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice. I mean, it was intimidating. Um, I, I think that that's pretty scary for a lot of students and I didn't love it. I got used to it because mm-hmm. I had to do it every semester, but especially once you're in your major and you end up having that professor two, three times, um, it's easier. They understand. Um, and from there on out, I think making good impression with professors in your major um, is only going to help you by the time you get to your harder classes that have more work and more expectations. Oh, a hundred percent. Like no doubt about it. Okay. Marissa, you know, the podcast is called confessions from the sidelines. Yes. What is your favorite memory of standing on the sidelines? Ooh, favorite memory of standing on the sidelines. I have a couple, I think. Okay. So the first one kind of funny. So it's November in state college. And we were hosting, I think maybe a round of 64 or 32 NCAA game. And the game was at 8 PM and it might be like 15 degrees. Yeah. It it was like, I am remembering this game. I was there and I've never been so cold my whole entire life. Freezing. Yes, (laughs) absolutely freezing. And it starts snowing. And the only relief that you would get is one, if you were on the field and you were moving, but um, then also our amazing trainer, Andra, who worked with softball, she got us these massive sideline, like tarp coats from the softball team to wear for that night. And she also got this heater, this heater that was almost like a flamethrower. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. And I hope this is where the story is going. So continue (laughs) to like talk about it. And so anytime the girls were on the sideline, we would throw the coats on and we would go really close to this heater flamethrower just to get some relief from the cold. And all of a sudden we just start smelling something burning and girls turn around and there's like one girl has a huge hole in the back of her sock. Doesn't even feel it getting to her skin yet. There's a huge hole in one of these like really nice tarp jackets. So just trying to get away from the cold in state college in this November night, we were literally burning our clothes off. Um, (laughs) What is so funny is so Rocky was on the show like months ago and she shared such a similar story about the heater (laughs) and the freezing night. And I'm like, yes, like this, this is what it was like in November, still playing in the tournament. That is so funny because I mean, Rocky, I'm sure has like amazing memories, probably not so many from the sideline because (laughs) that girl played 90 minutes every game. But um, that's really funny that that's one that sticks in her memory because the game wasn't a crazy game. It wasn't the most important game we've ever played, but that one really sticks in my mind. Um, the other one that sticks in my mind is, so my freshman year, 2015, big year, the, the year that we won a national championship. Um, I wasn't a starter. I was not a 90 minute player. Um, I would, you know, play significant minutes in some games, but I learned so much from that year. Um, and the coaches said we would, you know, because all of us, 
that came into Penn State, the program, um, we were all starter 90 minute players in our respective clubs. Um, and yeah, I learned so much that year from getting to watch Mal Weber and Rocky Rodriguez. And so I learned a lot, a lot from that year. It was a tough year grew a lot in that way of learning how to be a good teammate and how to, um, you know, be on the sidelines. Um, and so that was, that was a really big year for me. Um, fond memories being on the sidelines. You can have fun on the sidelines. Obviously everybody wants to be in the game, but yeah. Oh, that's so fun. I thank you so much for being here. This was such a fun time to like have a conversation and then also catch up a little bit. I know. I know. I miss being able to just walk into your office in the middle of the day and be like, Hey, what's up, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All those were the days, weren't they? They were. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you have enjoyed today's show, be sure to head on over to your favorite podcasting platform to rate and review the show. And as always, I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines.